News Talk 1110-993-WBT, the Pete Callender Show, hour number two, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. And uh, email is Pete at the Pete Callender Show. We've been talking about uh, the North Carolina uh, State General Assembly elections, but also election uh, stuff in general. The election season really is going to start ramping up after Labor Day. I say that because that's when usually people who don't pay attention to politics start paying attention to politics. It sort of starts uh, showing up on their radar. And uh, also uh, uh, the silly season uh, is upon us. I mean, it, it, Things are going to get crazy. People are going to say stupid things. Uh, there's Operation Demoralize. Uh, that's that that will return. I'll get to that in a minute. First, let me get over here and get John on the show. Hello, John. Welcome to the program. How are you? Great, Pete. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. What's going on? Well, for those of you that are those who weren't here when the Democrats controlled the state House and Senate, well, that was 2010 when the Republicans won and, and were sworn in the beginning of 2011. Mm-hmm. There was a three billion dollar budget gap. That they they spent, but they didn't have uh, uh, they didn't but you know have the money yeah. for, which is unconstitutional by the state constitution. By the way, in addition to that, we owed the federal government almost four billion dollars for the um, unemployment benefits. That if you remember back then, you were people yep. were getting almost a full year of unemployment. No, they got more than and that. They we got were the they highest were yeah they were getting tax. yeah they were getting five hundred dollars. Every uh, every week, I believe it was, uh, and the because of the Great Recession, they the Feds had extended it uh, to like ninety nine weeks. They were called the ninety niners. So that's almost yeah, exactly. two years of unemployment. We ran up, so we we depleted. And people don't realize this: the unemployment insurance fund, like that's paid by employers, right? The the businesses pay that. That's insurance, and so the, that was completely wiped out. And the state then went to the Feds to get a loan, and we owed. Uh, yeah, we owed billions. I thought it was like three billion or so, and we owed this, the feds that much money, and they were going to start taxing the businesses to pay it all back. And uh, I think only California, and New York owed more than us at the time. Yes, and we were the highest tax uh, uh, corporate taxes in the southeast. Yep, the Republicans took it over. They cut taxes and filled that three billion dollar gap. Yeah, and paid back that four billion dollar, close to four billion dollars to the feds, mm-hmm. and created a two billion dollar rainy day fund and two billion dollars in reserves for the unemployment uh, thing. Which, by the way, cut the uh, unemployment tax uh, as you're saying that they have to yeah they, companies paid uh, by five hundred thousand dollars a year or, or or even more of that. Uh, so it was over a ten billion dollar swing from negative to you know the positive right. under the Republicans' leadership, while cutting everybody's taxes across the board, not only corporate but personal taxes as well. So it was huge, and that was mainly under Tom Tillis's leadership. Right, you know, everybody yells, "Oh, he's a rhino! He saved this state!" So you know the people who weren't here in 2010. The Republicans had done an incredible job in uh, turning this state around. They called Carolina Miracle or Carolina Comeback, and it's true because you know we were in a bad situation, and you know now we're ranked number one in the Southeast for businesses. So you know people say there's no difference between the parties. 
trust me, there's a huge difference, especially at the state level. Yeah. Well, and, and talking I, about going into the election cycle now, the judicial races are the most critical because we've seen time and time again, right now, this Supreme Court is totally ignoring the state constitution because they're partisan hacks. So today was the Leandro hearing, the uh, oral arguments uh, in the school funding case, which uh, I suspect is going to put us into a bit of a constitutional crisis because they're going to try and force uh, budget allocations uh, through the judicial branch, which is not where uh, appropriations originate. And uh, so those oral arguments were today. I I caught about um, I I caught about about an hour of the two hours, I want to say. So I'm I'm not going to cover it today. But, yeah, like the judicial races are super, super important this year. Uh, So if you're going to go vote. Uh, please, you know, b- vote the whole ballot, make your way down the entire ballot and vote for all the races. Um, yeah, because- cause the judges are always at the bottom, so it's critical. Yeah. And, and there's no straight party voting. You have to vote uh, every race. You can't just pull one, you know, Republican or Democrat. So it sounds like, so, so, so you've been here for a while, so you remember when North Carolina used to have straight party ballot uh, options, right? You could literally walk in there and vote. For all the Democrats, all the Republicans, you could just fill out the one little box and it would vote for everyone except the president. They had that race separate. That was not part of the the straight party. You could always split your ticket, which was Democrats realized this a long time ago that there are a lot of people in North Carolina that would vote Democrat down ticket but wanted a Republican uh, for president. So that they oh, yeah, they yeah, yeah they split the two. So this way they, the Democrats wouldn't lose control over their machine apparatus. Well, it was funny, I mean, because we, we used to look and say, how did people vote for Ronald Reagan, Jesse Helms, and Jim Hunt right. on the same ballot? But they did. But they did, yeah. Well, and a lot of that is the vestiges of the uh, of the political machine in North Carolina, where people, you know, they've, they've been registered Democrats because their you know, grandparents were registered Democrats, and you literally could not get work if you were a Republican. You could not work in a uh, local government, in a state government. And in a lot of private businesses as well, because the machine was so strong, particularly in a lot of the rural areas. Oh, yep. Yeah. But John, it's changing. Yeah, that's it. I appreciate the call, buddy. Thanks so much. Have a great day. All right, man. Uh, see, this is the thing. Um, and John's point, he's exactly right. And they were able to do the, quote, Carolina comeback. They did that while Bev Perdue was still governor, although she became lame duck. Her last two years... And Republicans won. And then all of a sudden, like she literally, I guess, did not know how to govern (laughs) with Republicans. And that's part of the problem with coming out of the Democrat machine like that is she was not. It was just sort of this lineage system, you know, where you would. okay, well, you went from lieutenant governor to governor. And there was this sort of this process that you went through. You never had to deal with the Republicans on anything. And then she's governor. And all of a sudden you got something that happened for the first time in a century and a half. And Republicans are now calling the shots. And she didn't really know how to I remember. She was the one that I think she I think it was Bev Perdue. Yeah. She said, maybe we shouldn't hold the election. Remember that? She said, maybe we shouldn't hold the next election. And then she went to Asheville, went to a brewery, was drinking some beer with the media and made an announcement the next morning that she wasn't going to run for reelection. And that made Walter Dalton who Walter Dalton. That was his campaign ad. Nobody knew who this guy was, but he was the lieutenant governor. And because that's the succession, right? The the plan of succession in the machine. So you were LG. Now you become governor and uh, nobody knew who he was and he didn't have any real time to launch a campaign. So his first campaign ad was 
literally pointing out that nobody knew his name. Nobody knew who he was. And Pat McCrory beat him. But Pat McCrory was probably going to beat Bev Perdue uh, as well. And that's probably why she actually um, did not run for re-election. Now, you may be wondering why the, the red wave narrative is being dismissed. And again, I'm not making a prediction here. I have no idea. Red wave, red ripple, whatever, I don't know. Or blue wave, blue ripple. I don't know. But I do know the coverage. And the coverage several months ago was all about the red wave. This is sort of preordained. But now you're seeing a whole bunch of stories. Oh, it's probably not going to be as as big of a gain. Or, oh, it's all wiped out. And a lot of them are, a lot of the media people are talking about it being due to uh, the Dobbs case in the abortion debate. William Jacobson at LegalInsurrection.com, he says there is a concerted media effort to create a counter-narrative that the red wave has failed, even though we are just entering the prime election season and Republicans actually still lead in the generic ballot. And that's that's not a very frequent occurrence, by the way. The generic ballot, so like just R or D, for Republicans to be leading in that, it's pretty significant. Um, he calls it Operation Demoralize. He says, quote, they want you to think you're all alone swimming against the tide, but you're not. The goal, to break your will, to train your attention on the inane and frivolous, to siphon it away from issues of existential gravity, of global import. View the early and notoriously inaccurate polling in this context. View the mainstream media analysis in this context. View Joe Biden's increasing incitement of conflict between Americans in this context. This is Team Obama 101 stuff. Operation Demoralize. And it's only going to get worse. Don't fall for it. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. I'm um, getting uh, the latest here on the shooting at Concord Mills Mall. Uh, it was closed due to a shoot. This is WCNC uh, on the Twitter feed. A shooting involving police at Concord Mills has closed the mall. Shoppers are being asked to evacuate the area. Uh, there is. A, well, OK, really? Why would you why would you give me this pop-up when I'm trying to read a breaking news story? 36. Okay. Police presence at Concord Mills, but this was from uh, about 10 minutes ago. Uh, police investigated an unknown incident. That's all it says uh, over on WCNC, uh, although there may be some developments. I, I, by the way, I am always hesitant to give you in these shooting situations because the early information is almost always incorrect. I am aware of it. Um, Howie Patrol is there. Concord uh, Police is there. Um, it, w- it was the, the mall was put on lockdown, uh, as we heard in the WBT newscast about 20 minutes ago. Um, that the stores were being, you know, they were closing their metal gates and such. Uh, we'll give you information as it becomes available, but right now that's uh, that's sort of all we've got. Um, I'm just kind of monitoring to, 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 to the. Uh, Yeah, I'm, try- I'm, I'm monitoring to see if we get anything from CMPD. But from what I understand, uh, 
Well, they're not going to be saying it's, it's up in Concord, so it's not Charlotte Mecklenburg Police, which I don't know would they even be giving us any information considering their new PIO policy. Oh, I'm sorry. Was I supposed to say that? Their, no, their new public information policy where it's basically like we're not going to deal with you? <laughs> not me personally, just all media. They're just not going to do it. Um, yeah. Anyway, so let me. Um, oh, hang on. All right. Never mind. Like I said, I, I, I act as a gatekeeper on the information on this stuff in the shooting uh, scenarios because you don't ever know what's real and what's not. I prefer to wait, find out what is happening uh, before relaying information that might not, other, not otherwise be true. Um, but we'll get an update uh, at the bottom of the hour. So um, one of the other issues that is uh, likely going to be part of this election cycle, I think it is, right? It's crime. Yeah, it's it's not just inflation. It's not just gas prices and food prices and school supply prices and all that. Um, what do you think is going to happen, by the way, when people gather around uh, for like the uh, for Halloween? What do you think is happening Labor Day weekend? Right. Family members start talking about this stuff. And when you're uh, hosting people at the house, you get a you know massive sized bill for the food that everybody's going to be eating at your house. Like You cannot hide these things from the American public. But one of the other things is crime. With, with the rising uh, uh, violent crime rates in predominantly Democrat cities, but it's, you know, it, it is a phenomenon all over the country. And people are not happy about it. And people remember. And so, no, Republicans saying defund the FBI because the FBI appears to be politically uh, corrupted People, most people, I don't believe, I don't want to believe, most people uh, would see that as a defund the police argument. I don't see them as the same, by the way. I am all for rooting out corrupt law enforcement wherever they are, wherever they are. And apparently, I mean, it just seems like the vast majority of them end up going to work for the D.C. field office of the FBI. That's the... I'm sorry. That's... (laughs) Well, they just one of the guys walked out of the building, right? He was the guy at the that that quashed the Hunter Biden laptop story, and they uh, T Bolt or whatever his name was. And when I had Congressman Bishop in here last week, we were talking off air, and I gave him another name, and he gave me that name. And then that guy got shown the door. Don't know if he quit or was fired, but I don't know. That was the guy at the center of the Hunter Biden investigation, the laptop investigation that apparently. You know, told people not to uh, not to do anything with it. So Joe Biden goes to Pennsylvania. He's got like three visits scheduled, which makes me wonder, is he getting a beach house now in Pennsylvania, too? Is that a lot of vacations and ice cream in Pennsylvania? Um, He is now saying that uh, you're either on the side of the mob or on the side of the police. Which. You may be old enough to remember when Republicans were saying that to Democrats. Lo, those many years ago during the summer of love 2020. Right? That's what that's what the right was saying to the leftist apologists for the riots and the looting, the fiery but mostly peaceful reaction to George Floyd's murder. Allah pundit at hotair.com. He says, look, I think it's good basic good politics for Biden to try to turn the issue of law and order around. On to Republicans. I mentioned this yesterday. Sherry Beasley uh, and her announcement, like, oh, look at these six sheriffs. They support me out of a state with 100 of them, right? Here are the six that love me. 
This is part of a coordinated effort by Democrats to change the narrative that they are anti-cop, that they're soft on crime. And that narrative did not get written by Republicans. That got written by Democrats during 2020. I'm sorry to say, you guys took the wrong side of, the, uh, of that issue. Except for Abe Jones. State Representative Abe Jones, uh, former judge, Democrat, I think out of Raleigh, And he was like one of the only Democrats to vote with the Republicans to try to increase the penalties for violent rioters. One of the only Democrats. And he got a lot of grief for it. But I always feel the need to point him out because what he did was brave. Black Democrat, by the way. Former judge, Abe Jones. But other than that, no, they got, yeah, they got a perception problem they do. And so they're trying to flip the script. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. <laughs> All right, so uh, Joe Biden gives some rambling, confusing, and confused speech last night in Pennsylvania. He has a number. I have a number of sound bites. Well, I have a uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven is the number of sound bites that I pulled out of this ridiculousness. Um, let me start with the longest clip that I've got. It's about two and a half minutes here. And it's Joe Biden getting a fire in his belly over those MAGA semi-fascists and how they're now calling for defunding of the FBI because Republicans believe the FBI has become a corrupt organization. So uh, here's uh, uh, the president, the uniter in chief. A safer America requires all of us to uphold the rule of law. Not the rule of any one party or any one person. All right, okay, hang on a second. I'm not going to stop this repeatedly throughout his comments, but I feel the need to point out that this guy just by executive fiat wiped away hundreds of billions of dollars in student loan debt. Completely unconstitutional, right? And now he's lecturing us about the rule of law and having to follow the law. He's... He was not allowed to do it. He said the same thing about the eviction moratorium. He wasn't allowed to do that. Barack Obama said the same thing about immigration policy. And then he went ahead and did it. Charles C.W. Cook had a great write-up about this at National Review. I mean, this I'm not going to get lectured about the rule of law by a guy who last week was touting his own breaking of the law. Okay, back to the soundbite. Let's be clear. Okay. You hear some of my friends in the other team talking about political violence and how it's necessary think how it's necessary i'm not aware of any okay i swear i'm not going to keep stopping it but necessary who has said it's necessary political violence is necessary here and if these are your friends on the other team he said that are calling why are they your friends why why are they your friends if they're calling for violence i am not aware of republicans calling for violence I am aware that Lindsey Graham suggested there might be violence. And by the way, I heard the other day, I guess it was yesterday, I was driving home and uh, I was listening to Brett uh, Winterbull, as you should as well. And I'm driving home and I'm listening. He had a great term for this. He said, they're trying to make you jump off sides. It's a, gr- it's a great analogy. If Well, I mean, if you know football. If you don't know football and you, or you think football is soccer, uh, which it's not, but um, then you would think offsides is something else. But they're trying to draw you off sides. 
They're giving you a hard count, right? They're giving you some misdirection. They're doing stuff to make you jump off sides. So then they get to use that penalty against you for their own advantage. And believe me, if you do something like jump off sides or the political violence equivalent, right, they're going to use that to their advantage. It's one of the first things I said after witnessing January 6th. I was like, this is going to be really bad because they're going to use it as ammunition against everybody. And they are. I just saw on CNN, the January 6th channel, they're uh, they're talking about they're going to resume the hearings next month. Gee, hmm. I wonder if that has anything to do with the election. Well, of course it does. Of course, CNN will not be able to divine any kind of political motivation for any of this. Uh, they're just doing it, you know, to protect the democracy. That's all. About this now. All right, I'll go back to Joe. Did any of you right. think, either as old as I am, you've ever been in an election where we talk about it's appropriate to use force, political violence in America? Wait, hang on. Okay, again, I, I promise. I'm not trying to stop this after every single sentence. Nobody is saying that that's politically acceptable. No one's saying it's acceptable. People are, are gaming out whether or not it's possible. And by the way, let me, hang on, let me go over here. There's a fella over at The Federalist named Eddie Scary. And he says, on January, or January 6, 2021, it did not happen in a vacuum. That's not the day that history began. It was the consequence of nearly a year's worth of vandalism, destruction, looting, and deadly rioting that was instigated, exacerbated, and excused by liberals, both in the Democratic Party and the media. The 2020 election was nothing less than a hostage situation, and everyone who lives in a major city, all of them run by Democrats, knew it when they saw their shops, their offices, their storefronts all boarded up. That wasn't in anticipation of a Biden victory. It was in fear of a Trump victory. The left had shown all summer what it's capable of when things don't go their way. I have been saying this since 2020. This is exactly correct. January 6th did not happen in a vacuum. And when you project into the society a willingness to commit violence, you send the message to your adversaries that violence is acceptable and that these are now the terms upon which you shall meet. You cannot go and pick a fight with people and then, ex- and, and then express outrage that a fight happened. What do you think is happening? This is what Lindsey Graham said, and everybody's losing their minds over it. Am I the only? I'm, like, I'm not advocating that. I never advocated that. I keep saying politics is the way that we settle things in a civilized but more importantly, a peaceable society. And if you can't engage in politics, then the only thing after that is the violence. And that's the reason the politics is important. That's the reason we engage in this. That's why we have these discussions. We hash out the issues. We listen to uh, people's arguments. Because otherwise, it's just, you know, patting the dog on the head saying, nice doggy, until you can find a rock large enough to bash its skull in. Like, that's the, that's the, the other way down that road. And I don't want to go down that road. Nobody should want to. And I have no tolerance for people that, that, you know, that, that preach in this sort of uh, fetishist sort of way. Like, oh, you know, I just, just can't wait for that to happen. Oh, really? Like, pe- a lot of people think that you know, when violence comes, it's going to affect everybody else but them. It's going to be devastating. You think other countries aren't going to notice that too? Of course they will. Take advantage of the situation. 
want to play this? Do I want to go the I'm sorry, I have sinned route? Or do I just want to keep doing it in order to agitate? Which path shall I take? Which path shall I? Well, apparently during the break, we had a couple people call in to complain that I was interrupting President Biden's speech, and they wanted to know why I, why I was doing that. And I thought it was pretty clear why I was doing it, because I can't. <laughs> I mean, right? Like, he said something stupid, so I pressed pause on my machine, and I responded. I, it's like yelling at the TV, except you get to pause the TV, right? I know he can't hear me. So I considered just continuing to do that, and every time interrupting, keep saying that I'm, I'm not going to interrupt him all the time, and then just keep doing it just to, ah, uh, that's, yeah, I know thyself, you know, it's, <laughs> I, I am prone to, uh, uh, to, to sometimes uh, pettiness like that. But no, no, I will take this opportunity and be the bigger person and say, I'm so sorry I interrupted President Tapioca. So here is, uh, I, will, I will re-rack it, and you get to listen to the soundbite now, completely unmolested, but no promises. A safer America requires all of us to uphold the rule of law, not the rule of any one party or any one person. Let's be clear. You hear some of my friends in the other team talking about political violence and how it's necessary. Think about this now. Did any of you think, even as old as I'm, you've ever been in an election where we talk about it's appropriate to use force, political violence in America? It's never appropriate. Never. Period. Never, never, never. No one should be encouraged to use political violence. None whatsoever. And look. Wait, uh, how about bailing out? I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt the press. <laughs> how, about, how about bailing out people that are engaged in the violence? How about that? Is that acceptable? I mean, you're not encouraging it. You're just, you know, giving them money when they do it. How about that? Because oh, I'm sure that's not encouragement at all, right? Because your vice president had some thoughts on that. You know, if we're in a situation where to this day, the MAGA Republicans in Congress defend the mob that stormed the Capitol on January 6th. Defend them. So let me say this to my MAGA Republican friends in Congress. Don't tell me you support law enforcement if you won't condemn what happened on the 6th. Don't tell me. Can't do it. Uh-oh. He's getting energized. For God's sake, whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? Look. You're either on the side of a mob or the side of the police. You can't be pro-law enforcement and pro-insurrection. You can't be a party of law and order and call the people who attacked the police on January 6th patriots. You can't do it. Is somebody doing that? Is what are we teaching our children? It's just that simple. All right. So he says you can't be on the side of the mob and the side of the police. 
Let me jump over here. CNN's political reporter, Eva McKend. She was on New Day with Brianna Keeler, uh, I get with co-host. Okay. Uh, anyway, she says, quote, talking about the uh, president's comments, uh, saying that Biden could alienate Democrat voters with a law and order message. Quote, they're not going to get the so-called back the blue folks. They're just not going to get those voters. Speeches like this are an appeal to try to call in that group. But at the same time, there is a reform-minded wing of the Democratic Party. And so he has to strike the right balance, I think, in these speeches and not doing too much to distance himself from those folks as well. Well, whose side are you on? Are you on the side of the mob or are you on the side of the police? This is the false choice that I have presented and therefore you must pick one. On this side, we have a terrible option. And on this side, we have my option. Which are you? Are you the terrible or are you the good? And if you're the good, then that's my that's on my side. And then I'm right. This is what's called a false dichotomy. It's a false choice. Right? I can, which I did, condemn the rioters on January 6th as it happened. Absolutely. Were there people there that had insurrection in their heart? Damn straight there were. Absolutely there were. Sure. Did everybody that attended the Stop the Steal rally prior to the storming of the Capitol, did everybody that attended the rally, did they all have insurrection on the heart? No, they did not. Did everybody that even got into the building have insurrection on their heart? No. But some did. But this idea that now all of a sudden I get a I get a false choice constructed by you and your party that egged on the rioting, the looting, the violence, the dozens dead. You egged that crap on for a year because you thought there was a political advantage to it. Now you know there isn't. And so now you're trying to backtrack and you're trying to recast yourself as the law and order party. I don't think it's going to work, but we'll see.